So what if you're single? You're never alone in the single soul circle. Join us as we hear from singles who will inspire you and help you face the unique challenges and opportunities of the single life. I'm your host, Heidi Fry. Today we'll talk with Sarah Joy Cook about how she restored joy in her life. We'll start with her marriage and divorce and how she connected with others through that process. I would say that the other thing that I came to recognize is that it's through the it's through being vulnerable that I actually feel connected. And, and if I can be vulnerable, people match me in that. Sarah will share about how she decided to blog about her journey and share that with others. If, if my words help one person to feel like somebody else knows their story or can relate, then that whole entire blog post is worth it. And spoiler alert, we will hear how she found love again. It was one of those situations that I didn't really believe happens, but I walked into that coffee shop and I looked up at him and I was like, I can breathe. I'm excited to have Sarah Joy Cook join me in the Single Soul Circle today. I had the opportunity to meet Sarah at an International Women's Summit a couple of years ago, and I can tell you that she radiates joy and is so inspirational, and I just really enjoyed getting to know her at the conference and then being able to stay connected with her through social media and also following her blog. So I'm excited to have Sarah here today to talk about her journey of restoring joy. Thank you for being here today, Sarah. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk to you, Heidi. To start out, let's talk a little bit more about your journey from where you started of, of kind of going through that divorce and the different emotions that were coming up for you during that process. Yeah. And boy, I mean, even that conversation could take an hour. Um, <laughs> I've been divorced for like a year and a half now. No, 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 no. Ten twenty six will be a year. Um, it feels like longer. We made our decision to get divorced uh, December 2017, and then I moved out in January. But that decision was long. It was long in the works. We probably, we were married for 14 years, and I would say about 50% of our marriage we were in counseling. We busted our butts. I, I frankly don't know any other couple ever who has worked harder on their marriage. But because we were always in counseling and always working, probably that last year was already kind of getting ready for the decision. We knew where we were headed. So that when I actually moved out, I had already grieved for a long time. That doesn't change the fact that I still grieved a lot after moving out, I would say. That January through May probably, were that was just a really intense period of time. Grieving, but also this dawning awareness that I was free and and waking up and just feeling this weight that was not on my shoulders anymore. And, you know, some days still would find me in the floor, pounding the floor, screaming. Mm -hmm. uh, yoga was a real help to me uh, because the grief moves through my body. It's a physical experience. But there were also mornings that I would wake up and I would just feel this like clear headedness. I just, I felt free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And besides the yoga, what else kind of helped you through that grieving process? I would say the very most important thing, and this is a lesson that's come to me in probably the past three years, is 
my biggest value is connection. And I didn't know that before. I didn't know that through age 40. I went through a coaching training. I'm a certified coach now. And that was last year. I started that in March and it wrapped up in June. And, and one of the practices of becoming a coach is also being coached yourself. And so through that process, I did really start to come to the recognition that my top value is connection. And for better or worse, I just learned how to reach out to girlfriends and say, I need help. And some of these girlfriends were friends that were just kind of arm's length professional friends. But by me reaching out, they showed up and showed up big time. And the relationships that I have with them now, they're far beyond professional. And, and I would say that the other thing that I came to recognize is that it's through the, it's through being vulnerable that I actually feel connected. And, and if I can be vulnerable, people match me in that. And, um, there was a, for, for years and years of my life, I would, I would just lay in bed and I would cry because I felt like I don't have real friends. You know, I've got kind of uh, situational friends. Like I have an exercise friend or I have a work friend or, or what have you, but I didn't feel like I had real girlfriends. And that is a million times different today. I have so many friends that I can't count them and, and they showed up for me over and over and over again over the past year. That's great. I think that connection is is so important and being able to have that deeper connection that you talk about. Um, if people listening, you know, have friends going through this, do you have any advice of like for the friends to how to support somebody through this and what they could do to really to really help? Yeah, in fact, uh, I one of the friends that I'm thinking of, I, I'm also involved in a, a a spiritual, not religious church that, which is what works for me. And I, and actually my ex still goes there too, which is interesting. And, and we can talk more about that in a minute if you want to, but one Sunday in church, right after I moved out, this lady that I had met a couple of times, like I barely knew her name, but she came up to me after church and she said, Hey, I know that you just moved out and it turns out that you live really close to us. Call me sometime if you'd like, if you need some support. And I looked at her and I don't know what gave me this courage, but I said, you know what? I don't want to call you to ask for support. Will you please call me? Mm. And she did. She heard me. She did. And when she called me, she said, hey, what night are you free? I'm going to cook you dinner and bring over a bottle of wine and we'll just hang out. I hardly knew this woman, but it was the best gift. I felt so cared for. It was an evening, one evening that I didn't have to be alone and crying. And all it really took was for her to take the first move. You know, it was nothing like, um, I, it didn't require a whole, a whole, whole lot on her part, but just the fact that she was willing to be the one to make the first step made all the difference in the world. And now she's like one of my dearest friends. That's so great because I think it is hard for people to ask for help. And so I think as friends, if we can see when somebody needs that help and, and being more pushy, like you said, of saying, okay, we're, we're setting a date. Here's what I'm doing for you. And then I think for you to also communicate so clearly with her, like, don't wait for me. Hey, reach out to me. So I think that that's really awesome. And then you had mentioned how you and your ex go to the same church. So how do you navigate 
things like that after the divorce <laughs> or through that. <laughs> God, and that continues to evolve. Yeah. Um, we made a commitment to each other when we decided divorce that it, that it was going to be amicable and that we would love each other through it. And, and we've done a decent job of that. Certainly there are times that I have hurt him and he has hurt me very quickly after I moved out or maybe I was even still living there, which was interesting for, you know, those three or four weeks of knowing we're divorcing, but still living together. But mm-hmm. uh, at one of those Sundays, like he just kind of abruptly didn't sit with me in church. And it was so fresh at that point that I just couldn't hold myself together. Um, but then over time, like we agreed, okay, we will sit together every Sunday as friends and to support each other. And then when it's time to sit apart, we'll communicate that ahead of time. And so after a couple of months, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm going to sit somewhere else today. And then I found another friend that had became a friend through this process too. And I said, I need to sit with you. Can I sit with you? And like, she held my hand and rubbed my back during church. It was just so amazing. And, you know, over time, and I, we would still go before service or after service and hug each other and say hi. And the longer that we've been apart, interestingly enough, it seems like it's a, in some ways it's much, much, much easier. And then in some ways it's more challenging because we've both begun dating other people. And so we see those people sometimes. And so that feels kind of weird. I, we, I, you know, what I always said was we will teach people how to treat us. So if we continue to go to church together and we are kind in our words and we are kind in our actions and we are not awkward, then we will teach everybody else at church that it's okay. You can be kind to both of us. You don't have to take sides. There's nothing wrong here. This is a beautiful ending to what was a successful marriage. And for the most part, people have been able to kind of follow our lead, but sometimes there's a little awkwardness around that too, especially as we have brought other people to church with us. Right. Let's talk about your blog, Project Restore Joy. How did you decide to share your journey in that blog? I would say that, I mean, before even thinking anything about a blog, I am a writer at heart. You know, when I was little, I did like oh my gosh, I've looked at some of the poetry and it's bad. But, (laughs) um, you know, I I thought it was fun. I love words and I love stories. And I have journaled for, gosh, um, I entered into 12-step recovery for an eating disorder when I was 19 years old, I think. And um, part of that recovery journey, one of the tools for recovery is, is writing. For me, I call that journaling. And so from that day, I mean, I write every single morning I journal. And when I go back and look through boxes and boxes of journals and read stories about my life, I'm always just impacted. It's profoundly impacted uh, the memories of the life that I've lived. And so anyway, all that to say, writing comes naturally to me. And I also discovered the work of Brene Brown and around being brave and being vulnerable and, and the importance of, again, back to my value of connection. And I thought, you know, I need connection and I need an outlet. Um, Not necessarily like I need recognition, uh, which I do kind of thrive on recognition too, but my blog is not one that's, you know, like I've got 25 followers or something. I don't know. Um, But 
the the ability to connect with other people the it drives me when i think if if my words help one person to feel like somebody else knows their story or can relate then that whole entire blog post is worth it and so sometimes for me it's been about having a creative outlet sometimes it's been about maybe my words can help other people sometimes it's been about um, I just, every now and then there is this gift. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it, and I can't remember if it's, if she uses the word the muse, but anyway, sometimes, and I would love it if it was more, but it's not, but sometimes there is just this, like, there is something inside of me that has to get out. There is a story that has to be told, and, and so all of those things combined, and, and I, the truth is I started blogging before we decided to divorce. I went to India, so I left corporate America, and that's been three and a half years ago, and I'm back now, um, but I was gone for three years, and, and during that first year, that was a whole, I would actually say that that was the first year of leaving corporate was the initiation of me kind of shifting into a whole different value system and starting to really look at my marriage differently. And so I'd been out of corporate for a year and I went to India for a month for yoga teacher training. And while I was there, I really picked up and said, okay, I want to, I want to blog more often. I want to tell my stories. And so I've been consistent or was consistent with it. I picked the consistency up to like weekly as I was going through the divorce journey. Now it's maybe once a month, every two months. I wish it were more often, but as I mentioned, I went back to a corporate job. And uh, so my life, well, that's not the only thing that's full about my life, um, but that is one of the things that, that is, uh, that, you know, my, I, my time is otherwise spent now. And so I keep it alive. And in fact, just getting ready to talk to you today, I started to feel that little nugget of inspiration of who I want to write. Yeah. So that's a long-winded answer of, of starting a blog. <laughs> now, I think you made a lot of great points, um, you know, as a blogger myself, knowing that, you know, if you just reach that one person, I think that's so important. And I think a lot of the more vulnerable posts come around when you have a lot of strong emotion. And if you're having those strong emotions, I feel like other people are having that same emotion and to be able to share that with them and and they know they're not alone. Like, I'm not the only person that feels this way. And uh, even as I had started to write, maybe my first ones weren't as vulnerable. And then I got deeper on one. And all of a sudden, I had people like private messaging me and different things and saying, hey, you know, this is how I felt. That's helping a lot of people feel like they're not alone. Hey, everybody goes through these emotions and that. So I think that's really awesome that you were sharing that gift with others. Isn't that the best feeling in the world when you've written something, you've put it out there in the world and somebody that you don't even know is reading, somebody that you can't even imagine even coming across your blog reaches out and says, oh my gosh, I'm right there. Thank you. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you did to restore joy? Huh. And I appreciate you, you continuing to kind of use the verbiage. So, um, it took like I just over and over. So my middle name really is Joy. It, you know, when I was little, I hated it, just like I think a lot of kids hate their names. But uh, <laughs> as I got older, and and again, back to this past couple of years, as the journey for me has really opened up, I was like, I really, I want to personify that name. And uh, and then of course I picked my my 
website name is Project Restore Joy. So I mentioned going, well, actually quitting my job. I was at a point in my career where I had spent my first four decades really believing that if I can just make a lot of money and if I can have a really good title and continue to rise up, well, and when I was little, it was more like getting good grades, but you know, the same kind of achievement mentality. If I can just achieve, 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 then I will be safe and I will be loved and I will have earned my place in this world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the past couple of jobs, I was rising up in title and I was rising up in money and there was recognition and I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And I, I finally just said, you know what, I, I got to do something. I got to change this. I've got to step away from this. And so that was, that was rather than restoring joy, that was kind of like unwinding thinking, okay, I don't think this is what I believe in anymore, but I've got to unwind it before I can start to restore. Mm -hmm. So it almost felt like falling off a cliff before climbing back up out of it. Yeah. Actually, I did something similar to you. So I quit my job in, I guess it was the end of February. And then my birthday was in June and that was my 40th birthday. And I was like, okay, this is going, my theme for the year is going to be joy. And the way I'm going to start it is I'm going to dye my hair pink. Oh, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was so freaking scary. I don't, I mean, like now we went to a concert last night and there were all these different colors of hair running around. And I was like, why now do I see it? And I think it looks normal, but for me, I mean, I've always, I'm less so now, but I was always very buttoned up, always just like tried to be perfect. And, Mm -hmm. and so that was way outside of the box, but it also like, I really think that doing things that scare me helped me to grow and that scared me. And it also caused just in that little brief period of time, because it only lasted, I don't know, three or four weeks. But I, I saw just how much we stick to people that are like us and that people like I, I flew in an airport right after it was pink and it was troll pink. And, um, and the people that would talk to me that normally wouldn't have talked to me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I found that really fascinating too. But that was that was one of the little pieces of the journey was was doing something totally foreign to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yoga teacher training, going to India, and that whole experience. Wow, that was quite a spiritual experience. I mean, very physical, but even more so a spiritual experience. Um, I reconnected with my aunts. I had been close with my dad's sisters when I was little, like uh, preteen years. I had been really close with them. And then over the years, it just, you know, they had families and kids and I got into college and my own relationships. And um, I was actually married one time before it was a short marriage and, and he was a sex addict. And so I really I pulled in, I pulled way in and kind of disconnected from a lot of people, including my aunt. I reconnected with them. And and because I wasn't working, I made several road trips to Michigan, which is where they live. And and just as I was kind of unwinding life and trying to figure out what life does mean, they were a soft landing place. And 
Oh, I, I did a, I, oh gosh, I, I, I also was like, okay, if I'm not going to be working in corporate, what are the things that I want to do? So I started the blog and then I started an Airbnb and I started selling on eBay and I did the yoga teacher training. And then I went and got certified as a Reiki practitioner. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the last kind of big thing was going through the coaching certification and you know, all of those felt very disparate to me at the time, mm -hmm. but kind of looking back, I see them all as helping me kind of come back into this solid confidence in who I am as a person and this belief that I've got the tools and the skills I need and I am going to be okay no matter what. But it was it's all of that, plus the girlfriends, plus you know, the courage to leave my marriage, plus all of it. <laughs> and then I know you also did the Haiti trip. Could you share a little bit more of that as well? Yeah. So I mentioned that my first marriage, the, the short-lived, and that I, I really kind of pulled away from people. And, uh, you know, part of it was just natural leaving home and, and going to college. I pulled away from my immediate family too. And so my dad and I have not have not really had a close relationship since I was maybe 22. And even up until age 40, like I remember seeing him around my 40th birthday, he made a trip to Michigan at the same time I did. And we, you know, we, we spoke a little bit, but it was still very kind of distant. And I would say even up until 18 months ago, a very arm's length relationship with my dad. I had started baby stepping into, I want to repair this. I want to repair this. I want to repair this. And there's got to be forgiveness. And, and, you know, what is my part? And, um, one of the things that I did was, um, the summer before I decided to leave my marriage, I opened up to my dad a little bit about what, what was going on in the marriage. And he showed up and I was like, wow, okay okay, let's take another baby step. So during the coaching training, I processed some more of that when my dad invited me to take a road trip with him to drive to Michigan. One of my aunts passed away and his sister, and he asked if I would go to the memorial with him, memorial service. And now recognize that my dad and I had not spent more than an hour alone together in 25 years. And we're talking about a 10 hour road trip. But I had been thinking this, I want to repair, I want to repair, I want to repair. What does forgiveness look like? What does risk look like? How do I keep myself safe? How does he keep himself safe? And, and not physically, but just emotionally. Um, and I decided to go and we had the best trip. And it was such a huge step forward. So that was in June of last year of 2018. So the confidence that we both got from that and that we started to talk and started to have phone conversations. Fast forward several months to last fall and he's been, he and my stepmom have been going to Haiti and they've lived half time in Haiti for decades now. And so they have a little apartment there and, and they have a nonprofit and he was planning his trip down for um, November of 18. And typically always he and my stepmom go together. Well, my stepmother had got diagnosed with um, cancer 
very early stage and, and she is in fantastic health again, but she couldn't travel. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, I'd like for you to go. Um, I'm a dietitian by training. Um, in, in my corporate role, I'm not practicing as a dietitian, but you know, it's still my love. And and one of the programs they have there is feeding the school children, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, they are feeding the kids for 25 cents a day. And wow, wait, maybe it's even less than that. Um, but anyway, he said, you know, we've gotten, we've made all this progress with how we source the food and and not bringing in subsidized food, but really supporting the local farmers. And now that we're doing that, we still have this limited amount of money, but we would like to make sure that what we're giving them is of optimal nutrition. And can you come down and, and tour the schools and talk to the teachers and the cooks? And uh, so I thought, you know, when in my life is there ever going to be a better opportunity to continue to heal my relationship with my dad? Um, and I, I wasn't working yet again, you know, I, I started my job in February. Uh, so I, I, I had the free time and he had already raised the money for the airplane ticket because for my stepmom who couldn't go and it, they needed my, like legitimately needed my help. And so my going is really the culmination of those several years of baby stepping towards a healed relationship or healing relationship with my dad. And I have to tell you, it was an amazing experience and beautiful because the little bit that I know was helpful and beautiful because we danced with each other. I don't mean that literally, uh, but, but we danced with each other in that, like we became, we very quickly established this rhythm of we in the morning would wake up and we would say good morning and he would heat up some coffee, but we would still have our quiet space. And then we would get ready and have our breakfast of very simple, like bread soup (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then go out for the day and, and support each other in, in the activities of the day. And then mid to late afternoon, come back and go our separate ways again and just rest and then come back together to share a meal and then go our separate ways and rest. And it was wonderful because there was all this like very intense shared experience, but plenty of grace to say, okay, we've had enough of each other. We've had enough of just everything. It's time to rest again. And, you know, since then, this is a relationship where I would go six to nine months without talking to my dad. And since then we talk every single week. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. It's still, it's still really kind of blows my mind and scares me a little, you know, where there's like vulnerability and fear of there's because it's so foreign, but Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly grateful. And, and I, I really think that it's because I feel so much more solid in my own foundation that it's like, okay, I can show up. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm glad you asked. So now moving on. So you found a new relationship. Can you talk more (laughs) about how that happened and how that's going? Yes. Um, Oh my gosh. And we've been dating for about just over 10 months now. And I can't tell you like, oh, it is so much fun to fall in love. I'd forgotten, you know, it's been a long time. Yeah. And uh, so much fun. And, and I've also forgotten like all of the quote unquote work of learning a new person. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
so I can't say how we met without telling a little bit of the story of last summer. I, I really did commit to, I am going to let myself feel this. Can I say a crap? Can I say a word on here? I don't know. Can I? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give myself months to feel this shit. And then <laughs> um, I will know when it's time. And I did. And so around May, I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to just do a little bit of dating. And how do you do that? Gosh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> the last time I dated, like there weren't all these apps. There wasn't, you know. So I reached out to a friend who actually I had met in India at the yoga teacher training and she lived in New York City mm -hmm. and she was single. And I was like, well, so what do you do? Like what apps do you suggest? And so I have never been one to do things halfway. And so I downloaded several apps and I kind of turned dating into a full-time job for the summer. <laughs> I, I played, I went, oftentimes I would be on two dates a day and there were some great people out there. There were some freaks out there. Um, <laughs> some people that I blocked right away, the things that people will say on apps or social media or whatever, just bloom or the pictures that they want to share <laughs> um, kind of opened my eyes to a whole different world. Right. But you know, what happened is I knew I was playing. I knew that I wasn't looking for a relationship yet. I just knew that I needed to find out that I was okay. And the healing that I got from that absolutely surprised me too, because what happened was I found out that people, guys, I'm hetero, guys are attracted to me and that I have something to offer that, and it, it wasn't just physical, but some of it, like they were attracted to me physically too, but they were also attracted to my mind. And I had somehow in the journey of my 14 years in my marriage and, and all of the things that he found wrong with me or I found wrong with him at some soul level, I'd convinced myself that there was something really wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I found out, I mean, yeah, we've all got our stuff. I've still got my stuff. But what I found out was like, there's a lot right with me too. And I was attracted, attractive, well, and attracted too. But it got me, it got me past a lot of fear. I, so I did, I, I dated a lot of dating, like May, June, July, August. And by, I would say July, I was starting to feel like, oh, this has been fun, but God, it's empty. You know, like I'm just kind of cycling through dates, but I want to be known. Yeah. And so what I started doing is then I just was dating a handful of people kind of consistently that, that we'd become friends and and then I met Colin. I mean, we connected on uh, an app that isn't very big here. It's called Coffee Meat Bagel. Uh, and m my New York City friend was like, oh, you got to use this one. Well, there's more people up there or whatever. But for what it's worth, I mean, that's where he and I connected. And we just chatted back and forth a little bit. And, and then we decided to meet. It was on Labor Day of 2018. And um, we decided to meet for coffee and then to go for a hike. And it was one of those situations that I didn't really believe happens, but I walked into that coffee shop and I looked up at him and I was like, oh, I can breathe. Wow. 
didn't really know the man other than a few chats, but I just, the, the energy that I felt of like, okay, now I'm safe. I can be completely me with this guy and it's going to be okay. And, you know, that had to prove itself out obviously, but we went out for a hike and, and we hiked for like four hours and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And then <laughs> actually, so we finished our hike because I had plans to go out on the lake with girlfriends that day. And uh, after I got off the lake, I was supposed to go on a date with somebody else. And uh, I canceled and I called him because he lived close to the lake. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? Which this was not my style at all. Like I met this person once. And number one, like that I was calling him and, and he was like, did you want to go get a bite to eat or something? I was like, well, all I've got is a bathing suit. So that too, like, that I'm like, can I come see you? All I have is a bathing suit. Um, <laughs> so ultimately I drove over there and, and, um, he just gave me a blanket to wrap up in. Cause I, you know, I was on a wet bathing suit and I, but I sat on his chair and he sat on the couch and we just talked for hours again. And, um, I mean, that's kind of from there, it was pretty tumultuous for a couple of months because I had to undo everything that I'd been doing all summer. And, um, you know, I've got to give him so much credit because the patience that he had and, and like commitment to me that, no, I found you, I want you. And you, you've got to do this journey. You've got to finish the journey that you've been on, but you need to finish it. Um, and so we, we very quickly decided that it was going to be us and it is, um, we're now dreaming about big life, you know, we're dreaming about moving to another state and we're doing a lot of traveling and uh, it's just, it's, it's exciting and it's scary as all get out both at the same time. That's so exciting. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. You know, I, I think before we, um, earlier we were talking about vulnerability and uh, I'm like, Oh gosh, did I just say too much? But you know what? I got nothing to hide. Like, is my story. And is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? You know, I've been thinking a lot about lately. At the end of the day, it's not about whether I'm single or whether I'm with somebody or whether people like me or whether they don't like me. The work that I have to do that I've been doing, but I still have to do is is that grounding, is that, that finding that love for myself. And when I'm confident in that, when I know my power, my voice, when I love who I am, then the rest of it just takes care of itself. Yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you so much. So now are you ready to try, try something new? So I came up with some kind of fun questions to to get to know you, kind of quick, quick questions. Um, so I have, I call it the circle six. So we have six questions. Oh, I like it. All right. So what is your first memory of joy? Oh, that's a great question. The first thing that comes into my mind was I must've been probably five or six years old and I got now it was used, but I got a bicycle for my birthday. And then my grandparents gave me this like little purse and it had a pack of bubble gum in it. <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> and I chew a lot of gum still to this day. 
Cute. All right. The second question, what sound do you love? Ooh, that one is so easy. Waterfalls. If waterfalls were animals, they would be my spirit animal. Number three, if you could paint a picture of any scenery that you've seen before, what would you paint? Probably, I can't remember the name of the trail, but I was in New Zealand hiking on a trail and and the foliage was just amazing. I mean, ferns that were like stories tall and this winding trail um, and the, the leaves were all just glistening because there had been some rain and it was this vibrant, vibrant green. And, and, you know, my heart rate was up and I was just a little bit sweaty from activity. And so there was just this, both the, the exhilaration of the physical activity, but also just being surrounded in this abundance of nature. Mm -hmm. Sounds beautiful. All right. Number four, what is one of your favorite habits? That might be a two-parter because it depends on my mood. I've, I've mentioned writing and how I journal every day. And some days that feels just like, huh, okay, this is boring. Why do I want to write about what I did yesterday? Mm -hmm. But it's a favorite too because it is there for me when I need it. When I need to process something, I have this habit that I can rely on that is safe for me. And then... Um, I would say the other thing that kind of popped into my mind is I'm, I'm a pretty avid exerciser and there are days when that habit I hate, but when I look at the theme of my life and how much it has given me to be able to keep my body healthy, to keep myself looking healthy and to keep my mind, um, just the endorphins flowing through, it has been kind of a lifesaver for me. And number five, do you have any favorite books, podcasts, or TED Talks that you would recommend to our audience? Well, you know, my favorite person is Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and I am in the middle of City of Girls right now. And, um, and I actually can relate to some of that, which is like, whoa, I never in a million years would have thought that I could. Uh, but her stuff is relatable to me. I, of course, just love Eat, Pray, Love and feel like I've done part of that journey anyway. I'm an avid podcast listener. I, I listen to a ton of stuff. Some of it's spiritual, some of it's business. You know, one of my favorite ones, and I don't get to sell much anymore on eBay. There's a podcast called um, The Scavenger Life, and it's all about their eBay business and their Airbnb business and how they're basically uh, choosing to, to live independently and how they're doing that. And, and that's kind of fun. All right. Number six. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? It's so funny because I just heard that question in a very different way, but on another podcast, um, again, being an avid listener. And I liked the response, which was, just do you, mm. you know, just do you. And so for me, that means joy, like be joy. That is what I aspire to every day in and out in my life and to other people, what I want to do is be joy. And so just do you. I was reading your blog posts and I saw that generosity is your word for 2019. And so I wanted to thank you for being so generous today and sharing your story and your advice for others. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being a guest on my show. I just so, so appreciate it. And you've been so inspirational. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I love that you read it and that you like brought that forward. Thank you. Yeah. And, and thank you. This, this is a lot of fun. I, I'm excited to hear too. So thank you too, Heidi. And thank you for putting all of your work out there.
Thank you. And I'll put a link in the show notes to Project Restore Joy so everybody can check that out. Well, thank you. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Single Soul Circle podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest, email me at singlesoulcircle at gmail.com and be sure to check out our blog at singlesoulcircle.com.